Oh, you know the music, people. It is that time. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. And it's 5 o'clock on Saturday. It means it is time for what I think and what I've been told by others is the best segment on the entire station. It is what I learned on TikTok. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Gordon, what is what I learned on TikTok? Well, okay, it's very simple. I, as a 51-year-old man, spend way too much time on that TikTok app. It's very addictive, but it's because I learned so much stuff, stuff I didn't know. And it sounds impossible, but then I go and I search and check it out, and it turns out to be true. So we formulated a little segment called What I Learned on TikTok, where I put the producers, whoever they are, sometimes people get involved in the phones as well, 1-800-919-ESPN. I give you four pieces of information, three pieces of the information. They're completely made up. They're just not true. But one piece sounds incredible, but it is a factual statement. And you have to decipher which one of these is real thing and which one, which are the three uh, are not real. So it's, it's very simple. You, you'll get it as we play. Now, I say it's very simple. The layout of it is very simple. The actual getting them right, that could be a bit of a challenge. But this week, Jacob is uh, back with me. Who uh, I mean, he takes a beating every single week, but he keeps coming back. We appreciate that. And now we have a new uh, person today, a new employee, Julian. Julian, uh, are you there, my friend? I am, Gordon. All right. Uh, so give us a little bit of uh, background, uh, Julian. Uh, what uh, your sports fan here? What kind of teams you like? Uh, yeah, I'm a sports fan, and I'm excited to be here at 98.7. And excited okay. to be here on what I learned on TikTok. All right. Well, who are you? Who, what's your favorite sport? Would you say? Uh, big fan of football. Okay. Jets, Giants. What do you got? Uh, I'm not a local fan. Okay. What do you? That's okay. I'm a Dolphin fan, and you can't do much worse than that. Who are you a fan of? Hey, it could be because I'm a Patriots fan. So. Oh, wow. Okay. You got one of those guys. All right. Well, we'll let Jay. Not know, great, Bob. No, not great, Bob. Uh, we'll let Jacob go first. Jacob, uh, you, you've you've been through the the ringer before. So you know how this works. Oh, I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> you know you know it all too well. Uh, all right, here we go. You ready for the first one here, Jacob? Oh, let's go. All right, let's do it. Number one, the last person to die during the building of the Empire State Building was the son of the first guy to die during the building of the Empire State Building. Number two, there is a kind of tumor that can grow eyes. Number three, Kmart is the world's largest retailer of diamonds. Or number four, there are only 10 states in the United States of America where cannibalism is illegal. So that's a pretty wide range. Just to recap again for the listeners, the last person to die in the building of the Empire State Building was the son of the first guy to die in the building of the Empire State Building. Uh, number two, there is a kind of tumor that can grow eyes. Three, Kmart is the world's largest retailer of diamonds in the world. Or number four, there are only 10 states of the entire United States where cannibalism is illegal. Jacob, the floor is yours. Well, uh, three. It's a wide range, right? I mean, 3D is a pretty dark. The other yeah, they are, kinda... you know, I always I always realize that after the fact. I don't realize that they, they're as dark as they are. But yeah, you're right. They are. A little macabre. <laughs> I mean, it fits, uh, it yeah, fits, it fits the my, aesthetic. Yeah, it does kind of. Unfortunately, I, I don't realize that. The fact I don't realize it is a sign that it, it does kind of fit my profile. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure FBI profilers out there. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah so this weirdo on the radio. 
All right. Uh, and but are not talking about Richard. <laughs> uh, we love Richard. but if <laughs> We I do love Richard. I love Richard. <laughs> I, I kid because I love. Yeah, exactly. If you do know Gordon, you know how right. he does. But uh, if I do, did have to pick one. Yeah. Jeez, this is a... Uh, I'm going to go with Kmart, the largest Kmart. Diamond. Kmart is the world's largest retailer of diamonds. Do you want to lock that in, my friend? I am indeed going to lock it in. Locked it in. And that's incorrect. No, that is no, not uh, correct. Actually, Walmart is the world's largest uh, retailer of diamonds in the world. I knew it had to be one. At of least them. according to Google. So that's uh, that is incorrect. I mean, close, but you know, close gets you. Hmm. All right, so now you're down to three. Last person to die in the building of the Empire State Building, the son of the first guy to die in the building of the Empire State Building. There is a kind of tumor that can grow eyes, or there are only ten. I mean, you got the good one out of the way right away. Yeah. There are ten states where cannibalism, only ten, where it's illegal in the United States. I think the way that your mind works and how yeah. twisted it is, yeah. the last person to die was the son of the first person to die. That would be oddly uh, coincidental. That would be a coincidental, right? So uh, I think I'm going to lock that one in. That's You're going to lock one. that one in. That's gonna, the one I'm going that's with. That's the second one. Okay. Locked in. Also incorrect. No. no. Uh, the Hoover Dam, the first person to die at the Hoover Dam, was related to the uh, last guy to die the building. Nobody actually died during the Empire State Building. Empire State Building was a huge success. It was built in record time, under budget. So. No, that is incorrect. Look at all you learn from this segment. It's an amazing segment. It's a great segment, if I do say so myself. Now I, gotta go I know look Jacob at- doesn't appreciate it, but still, it's still a great segment. You know, all I right, so now you're down to the tumor and cannibalism. Which will <laughs> imagine somebody tuning in right now? I wonder how the Yankees did today. They got Tumors tumor or cannibalism? <laughs> you know, it's rough in the Yankees bullpen if that's the two right. options. Trust me, if the Mets lose any more ground to the Braves, people are going to be dying to talk about tumors and cannibalism. That's enough. I might have a tumor at the end of the season the way they're playing. <laughs> um, but if I uh, had to pick one, which I do, yeah, a states of cannibalism is kind of crazy. Yeah. And you never know with tumors, so I'm gonna go with tumor with tumors eyes. having eyes. Yes, locked it in. Lock it in. Lock it in. Lock I might it be in. wrong. No, you got it absolutely Ooh. right, my friend. There are there's a uh, I think it's a tumora tumor or something like that. Uh, yeah, it can actually they can grow teeth, can grow hair, and sometimes in rare occurrences can actually grow eyes. The weird thing about the cannibalism one. I don't believe that there are any states where cannibalism is illegal in the United States. It's about, you know, how you come upon the... Now, there's rules about that, obviously, but no, the actual cannibalism, that is not uh, generally... I think there's like one state where cannibalism is illegal. Very odd. All right, uh, now we're on to Julian. Julian, you now know how the game works. Are you ready to roll here, you think? I am. I'm ready. All right, uh, let's see what we got. Let's see if we can start... um, Julian on something a little bit easier here. All right, number one, Julian. Blue whales are actually not whales. They actually should be qualified as, as dolphins. Number two, Frankenstein was a vegetarian. Number three, adding salt to water will actually make the water boil faster. Or number four, in Manhattan, on average, you are only six feet away from a rat. So again, to recap for the audience, blue whales are technically not whales. They're actually dolphins. Number two, Frankenstein was a vegetarian. Number three, adding salt to water will make it boil faster. Or number four, in Manhattan, on average, you're only six feet away from a rat. Hmm, those are uh, interesting. That last yeah. one's a little terrifying. but Yeah, a little bit. 
especially in Manhattan right now. Um, so, be careful. Yeah. Uh, thinking about it, I think I'm going to go with number two. That number like two, Frankenstein was a vegetarian. Are you going to lock that in? I will lock that in. Julian, you might be onto something here, my friend. Yes, that is absolutely correct. Frankenstein, the that Frankenstein's monster. Correct. Yeah, that he is at, now that could not make Jacob feel very good. Here's Jacob coming to work every single week, getting just hammered every single week. And here is Julian, fresh off, you know, right in the door, new ID, new job, and knocks it out of the park right away. Uh, the sun is smiling on Julian right now. Yeah, right? look, he can, he can, he should, he should retire right now. I mean, he can that, retire from the game undefeated. If he wants to take any advice from me, that would be uh, the one. Don't right. don't let this wow. game torment you anymore. I think I'll just walk off into the sun sunset right now. Well, I will let Jacob uh, choose here if he wants to. I, I got a couple more here, so we can either do one more uh, between the two of you. How do you want to do this? Should Jacob, uh, should Julian go again because he got one right? See if he can continue this impressive streak. How do we go? Uh, it's up to Julian. I, I don't mind either way. You know whether yeah, I, you, I win You'll be lose. more than happy to pass off the baton, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Julian, you feel ready for another one, or did you exhaust yourself just by that one answer? Uh, let's, let's go for two. Let's All go. right. Here we go. I don't like this. I don't like when people get them right right away. I like to, to twist the knife. I like to twist the needle a little bit. All right, here we go, Julian. Number one, the average U.S. hummingbird weighs less than a penny. Number two, giraffes are the only mammal with no vocal cords. Number three, studies have shown eating cheese before bed greatly increases your odds of having a nightmare. Or number four, there's someone buried on the moon. All right, so to recap for the audience again, the average U.S. hummingbird weighs less than a penny. Giraffes are the only mammal with no vocal cords. Number three, studies have shown eating cheese before bed greatly increases your odds of having a nightmare. Or number four, there is someone buried on the moon. Hmm, those are all uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, that's the point. You know, you got to get ones that are kind of out there. I hope three is a lie. Uh, okay. Who doesn't like eating a little cheese before exactly. bed, right? Sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night, you get that shredded cheese, you just pour it right in your mouth. That's right. Uh, but I think I'm going to go Julie with two. Julian and I have a lot more in common than I do. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to go with two on this two. one. Two. Giraffes are the only mammal with no vocal cords. Lock it in? I will lock that in. Oh, thank God. No, you got it wrong. Yes. Oof, I, if you went two for two, I would be uh, talking to Hurley and uh, Winthrop. I'd have to get him fired. I, there's no other way. I can't have somebody getting a perfect record in uh, what I learned on TikTok. No, that is incorrect. That is incorrect. Giraffes actually do have uh, vocal cords. Uh, all right. So to, to recap here, Julian, average U.S. hummingbird, less than a penny. Studies have shown eating cheese increases your odds of having a nightmare. Or number now, number three, it was number four. There's someone buried on the moon. Now, I will just say, I don't want to shade you anyway, but Jacob can confirm this to be true. Historically in this game, when you rule out something right away, it almost always comes back to be the case. But I don't want to shade you one way or the other. Jacob, but that is true, you'd have to say, right? The amount of times you and others have said, no, that's definitely not that one. It has been 100% true. Yeah, Usually it, it like is that, that one right. that is the right answer. Right. And again, take that for what you will. You're new, I want to help out. 
on that case, I hoped I hoped it wasn't true, but I'm thinking it might be three now. Number three, uh, studies have shown eating cheese before bed increases your odds of having a nightmare. Lock it in. I will lock that one in. Now, what you also have to learn is that I'm a terrible human being, and I kind of push you that way. No, that's also incorrect. Yeah, I, I, I just like getting wrong answers as much as I can, because I'm a bad person, Julian. You must know this about me, and you will learn this over time, I'm sure. All right, so now you're down to two. Average U.S. hummingbird weighs less than a penny, or there's someone buried on the moon. Four doesn't sound like it could be true. Sure. But I think I'm going to go with it. You're going to go with uh, someone's buried on the moon. Yeah. Lock it in? I'll lock that one Now, in. let me ask you this, Jacob. Would you stick with uh, what Julian says, or would you go the other way? Would you go with the hummingbird? You know, uh, when you first said the hummingbird, I'm like, you know, I do know hummingbirds do weigh less, yeah. but the moon thing does sound interesting. Yes. I'm going with the hummingbird, though. Okay. I'm going to go opposite of Julian. Well, see, this isn't even Jacob's question, and he got it wrong. Yes, no, there is someone buried on the moon. His name is Eugene Shoemaker. Wow. Uh, he was obsessed with space, and uh, he became ill somehow. I'm not sure exactly what happened to him, but, yeah, his ashes are buried on the moon. So there you go. Nice job. First time out of the box by Julian. Typical performance by Jacob. And that, my friends, is what I learned on TikTok this week. And now, because of this beautiful segment, you have learned it too. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. It is the Gordon Damer Show. Coming up, we'll get back into the football. We'll hear from Aaron Boone coming up. Lots of stuff to do. Still have to talk to Pat Leonard. Get into the Giants as well. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show. On 98.7 ESPN. Uh, let's talk a little Yankees. Yankees get a win against the Rays this afternoon, 10-3 at the stadium. I know what you're saying. The Yankees won a game. Well, look, in baseball, in sports, we all realize you can't win them all. Luckily for the Yankees, you also can't lose them all. They score six runs in the first inning. They put up 10 runs on the day. And they beat the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, much-needed win with the the state of uh, the division and the state of the playoff race right now. 10-3 the final. So uh, good stuff there for the Yankees. Finally get a win here against the Rays. Important. Every win of the rest of the way is going to be important. And now 84-56 and 56 on the season. So whether or not they can get to even 93 wins, which was, of course, 92 wins is where they finished last year. Let's see if they can even get to that point. A season where it seemed like the division was a lock. A, div- uh, a season where it seemed like we were not, I mean, this is the point of the season where you should be talking about magic numbers and lining things up for the playoffs. It has not gone that way for the Yankees. So, But with that win today, 84-56, and 56, they are now a three-game lead in the loss column ahead of Tampa, a four-game lead in the loss column over Toronto. So uh, we'll see how that goes with the Yankees. But let's hear from the manager, Aaron Boone. Yankees getting to the former Yankee, Corey Kluber, this afternoon. Uh, How important was that, Aaron Boone, for your team to come out and get to Kluber? Awesome. Uh, Just great at-bats from everyone. Just moving the line. was it seven straight there? Reaching base. um, And then a great play on on Hagee and to put a stop and on G to end that inning. So it was just a collection of just really good at bats some good two strike at bats. Um, but certainly, you know, put us in a great spot. 
All right, so there's Aaron Boone on uh, that. The uh, lineup today had more recognizable names. Now, they've not been impactful names. Obviously, Giancarlo Stanton's issues with the injuries, and he's just not had a second half that is up to Giancarlo Stanton's standards. He did have a home run today against a position player, but also uh, overall two for five, drove in a run. Uh, so here is Aaron Boone on seeing Stanton's ABs. Really, it's the last few days. You know, I even go back to the pinch hit at bat where he struck out against uh, Deal Bar with Minnesota. Just I thought he was in and on a lot of pitches. Same thing uh, yesterday when he pinch hit and he smoked the ball right up the middle. Um, and then a couple couple balls today that he really hit well, too, right at people. So watching him, I just feel like his collection of last six, eight at bats now are closer to what, you know, when he's going really good. All right, so there you go on uh, Giancarlo Stanton. And if you were to line up the things that need to happen for the Yankees for it not to be just a foregone conclusion that if they hold on the division, whatever, whenever they get into the playoffs, they they have to be rolling. The first thing you would say is you got to get Giancarlo Stanton going. Uh, Now, I don't know if it's possible because of the injuries. He's not been the same player in the second half. He's not had a good season. Injuries have been a major factor um, in three of the five seasons that he has played for the Yankees. So uh, at this point, uh, even if you get him going uh, based on the injuries, I don't know if you can keep him going. Now, he's shown at times that he can carry it. And it's funny, for all the criticism that the Yankees get, well, you know, the reason they don't score runs in the postseason is because they're too reliant on the home run. Uh, Who has been their most productive player in the playoffs the last couple of times? It's been Stanton. He's been the guy. So it would be great. That, that's the first thing you got to get going. Now, that's not going to just fix the lineup overnight. He's just one guy. But I think that that's where it starts. And based on, what you've, based on the evidence you've seen so far this year and track records of players, you would say, you know, that would be the, probably the most likely of all the outcomes uh, to, to get going in the right direction is Stanton. You know, if you can get him healthy and get him back 100% or as close as he can be at this point, that would be a big one. Uh, the other one is Josh Donaldson. He was back in the lineup today batting cleanup and had a couple of hits, had a home run himself. Here is Aaron Boone on Donaldson's impact. Yeah, it's big. And, and, you know, he brought a lot of energy with him today. You know, I think guys kind of fed off it a little bit. And, um, you know, we need that. We need that from him. He's he's a premium player when he's going, and, and we got to, you know, continue to get that from him. But it was really good to see him just in sync at the plate and, and you know, real simple stroke, and I thought he looked great. All right, so there you go. I mean, Josh Donaldson's going to be a guy that's going to be in the lineup if he's healthy, but uh, he has not really kind of warranted uh, that – position uh, he's that he's had a very disappointing year uh, across the board he's been fine defensively overall but offensively he has not been the same guy can he get it go I don't have a high level of confidence after watching what I've watched the entire season the fact that he's batting cleanup is not <laughs> is not a great sign uh, but he's probably going to be in there because he is a good gloved it's not like there's you know Kiner Falefa is a good glove generally at third but it's not like that there's that big of a difference between them and unfortunately there's not that huge of a difference uh, def- uh, offensively either. I mean, they've, they've basically got the, the same numbers, and kind of Falefa has actually been better with the batting average, but you know, it's kind of empty with, ju- with just a bunch of singles. Uh, but the fact that kind of Falefa's slugging is even in the same ballpark as Donaldson is really a bad sign for Donaldson. To me, the one thing, and there's not that many great options with this many guys struggling, 
the one thing that I would say if I were the Yankees, I would go to Miguel Andujar and say, look, it's been a rough go for you. You have not looked like the same player since your rookie year. You've requested a trade. It's not worked. We weren't able to move you, whatever. Here's your chance. You are going to be, he should be their starting left fielder the rest of the way. You cannot put Aaron Hicks back out there because Aaron Hicks is a complete liability. It's not even like Aaron Hicks is a good glove. He's a bad glove. I mean, we see more than enough. I mean, obviously, the, the, the two plays yesterday were um, inexcusable. But he's had tons of issues in the outfield. And maybe he's just fried from the kind of season that he's had and that the offensive struggles have, have now seeped into his defense. But you would think that a guy who was a former center fielder and a good center fielder, he would be able to make the transition to left field far more than Aaron Judge, a right fielder, makes the transition to center field. Judge has moved to center and has not really skipped a beat. Hicks has had all sorts of problems in the outfield, and obviously, I mean, the, the struggles offensively. At this point, if he's not walking, he's not doing a whole lot. So to me, Miguel Andujar, here's your chance, bud. Go out there. You got, what is it, 22 games? And see what you got. That's been, I think, part of the problem for Andujar is after that rookie year, he had a bunch of injuries. And since that point, he's not gotten any consistent run in the lineup. Here's a stretch where you got three weeks, basically, and you're going to play every single day in left field. Go show us what you can. Now, I don't think that it's a great – I'm not expecting necessarily that he is going to go out and, and get back to the player he was in his rookie year. But of all the lottery tickets that I got going right now, I, I think I'm most likely to scratch that one because there's not many other good options in left field. And I know right now Aaron Hicks should not be one of them. I mean, I mean how, do you, how do you continue to put him out there when he's giving you absolutely nothing? 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number coming up. We will talk with Pat Leonard. Get into the Giants as they get set to face off against the Titans tomorrow. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. We are talking football. We're talking Jets. We got to get into the Giants, and no one better to get into it with than our next guest, Pat Leonard, who covers the team for the Daily News. Pat, thanks for uh, giving us a couple of minutes this afternoon. You got it, Gordon. No problem. Looking forward to Nashville. Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad place to spend a weekend. I don't know how much the Giants are going to enjoy it this weekend, but, you know, for you, that's not bad. Yeah, no, festive start to the season, for sure. Uh, all right, so, you know, I, I kind of feel like I, I've kind of come full circle with the Giants. Like, in the offseason, I was looking at it, I'm saying, you know, new regime, maybe some optimism. It can't be as bad. Uh, certainly as it ended last year with Joe Judge. But now that it's here, Pat, it, it kind of feels like, man, this is going to be a long year. What are your expectations for this Giants team as we get ready to kick off the season? Yeah, no, I agree, Gordon. And I, I hope I'm wrong that it's going to be a long year and that you and I are both wrong and that some of the encouraging talent that's been added to the roster or that's on the field is going to pop. And, you know, I think above all, John Mara, and Steve Tisch and the Giants want to see a competent offense that scores points. You know, wins, losses, you want the wins, obviously, but more than anything, they need to just look like a competitive football team. And unfortunately, until they prove otherwise, they are on the same level as a lot of the so-called easy opponents on their schedule, you know. 
uh, Chicago Bears, Detroit Lions, Jacksonville Jaguars, et cetera, like Seahawks. The Giants are one of those teams. They have an opportunity, though, here in week one, right off the bat against the AFC's one seed from a year ago, to whether they win the game or not, to try and put a stamp on this is going to look better, we're going to be in games late in the fourth quarter, and we are going to play offensive football and aggressive football in an age where if you don't have a good quarterback and you don't score touchdowns, you're going to get blown out. Yeah, and it kind of seems like it's on the offense in this game to kind of keep this close. With the injuries on defense, doesn't look like Ojolari or Thibodeau are going to be there. It feels like the offense right. is, is, is going to have to score some points to keep this close. Definitely. And, you know, the, the, the wild card in the Giants' favor possibly is Don Martindale's blitz-heavy scheme. You know, that could throw some opponents off. It could lead to different games that we're used to watching. And what I mean by that is, like with Derrick Henry, for example, the Giants may just load the box and bring the house and force Ryan Tannehill to beat him over top. So you could look at a game where maybe they actually bottle up Henry compared to what we all expect but they're leaving those corners and everybody kind of out on an island, and the Titans' passing game is what blows up. You know, their pass rush obviously has been an issue for a long time. Um, you know, without Thibodeau and Ojolari, probably will continue to be. So do the blitzes make a huge impact on Tannehill and Henry and the Titans? That's one factor. But, you know, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Like, I think, you know, Saquon Barkley looks good, looks fit. Wandale Robinson's an exciting player to add to the mix. You know, Evan Neal now at right tackle. They signed Mark Lewinsky in free agency. So how much does do those change mean, changes mean? How, much, uh, how many points are you adding per game? And like I said, touchdowns, not field goals. Because really, Gordon, like Daniel Jones has shown that he can move the ball between the 20s. And I think it's about when you get the ball down to the Titans' 19-yard line, you need six. You can't get three. Where is Kadarius Tony at? Because to me, like, I'm looking at, like, guys who can change the game, and Barkley is clearly one of those guys. But if he's not doing it, you know, you need somebody to step up. In the little bit that we saw of, of Tony at his best last year, he seems like he can be that kind of guy. Where is he after, after the offseason and, and the training camp that he's had? Yeah, kind of a wait and see, prove it. You know, show us what you have. Is that that's my attitude? I think that's the Giants' attitude. Uh, didn't play in a preseason game. Has been looking, nursing what looks like some kind of hamstring. He had the knee procedure in the off season. He's been practicing recently. He said he's ready to go against the Titans. Um, though he was like pretty late in, like let's say when they're running their individual routes at practice on Friday. He was actually the last Z receiver to run, and so Tyrod Taylor was throwing to him to get a Z rep in rather than Daniel Jones. And, you know, that's kind of a, an underscores kind of a theme of this late camp for some of these receivers. Like, Jones in this new offense, it's exciting, and Captain Dable, they're bringing new wrinkles and all that, but if Daniel Jones hasn't gotten to throw a lot of routes with you as a receiver, then you're a step behind. And so – you know, Tony needs to take a step forward in being on the field more, in uh, showing that he will stay on the field. He's certainly dynamic. You're absolutely right. We've seen it. He's a dynamic talent. But um, I need to see more out of him, both in practice and in games. 
Yeah, it just feels like the range of outcomes with him is all over. I mean, I don't know if that there's a player in New York that plays football that has a wider range of outcomes. Like he can, I mean, obviously in a short sample size last year, the Dallas game, maybe the New Orleans game, he looked like he could he could turn out to be like one of the best receivers in football. But outside of those two games, you didn't really see much. And even the best game he had, he got thrown out of the game for throwing a punch. So it just feels like the range of right. outcomes with Tony is just all over the place. Yeah, he needs to prove he's reliable. And I use that word intentionally because reliable in are you going to be in the right place when you run your route? Reliable in are you going to catch the football when you run your route? Reliable in are you going to be available for the game because you're not hurt? All of those things, if Tony gets that down, the reliability piece down, then that high ceiling you talk about is on the table. We're talking with Pat Leonard, who covers the Giants for the Daily News. Also, his podcast, Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. You can find that on YouTube. Uh, let's get to Daniel Jones, because uh, obviously we all know, I mean, it's, it's, it's written in stone at this point. This is a make-it-or-break-it year for Daniel Jones. But, Pat, if we were like, if this were sports court, right, and Daniel Jones had to prove his case that he is the Giants' long-term solution, or at least beyond this year, solution at quarterback, does he have to prove it in a beyond-the-reasonable-doubt sense, or is it more like the preponderance of evidence that he has to prove it? Uh, I think he needs to, you know, without a doubt, especially okay. because of the quality of the draft class upcoming. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're actually this weekend, this weekend's matchup between Kentucky and Florida with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson you know, these are games that Joe Shane, you know, he attended the Ohio State-Notre Dame game where C.J. Stroud was playing. Um, these are games that the Giants, as well as a lot of other teams with two first-round picks, are going and watching very closely. And these are these, – some of these guys look like premier talents. And because this is a rebuild, Daniel Jones is not this regime's guy. I mean, the writing is on the wall, them not picking up that fifth-year option. And so – the organization, John Mara, they want to do right by Daniel, and they're trying right now. But this is this can't be a situation where you kind of are juggling a ball in the air of pros and cons that Jones has shown you. And, well, there's some good but some bad, because that's where we are right now. Mm-hmm. If, if you're still juggling those pros and cons and that Venn diagram, then he's not the guy. You know, he needs to step forward and take command. And that's why I keep saying reliability on – for guys like Tony and whatever is because frankly, Gordon, you know, Jones can do so much and he has to play better. There's no doubt about it, but you know, I, I worry for his uh, chances just based on looking at, you know, these receivers, whether, whether it was Galladay having a slow camp coming off a knee procedure or Tony not being on the field and missing games, you know, it's just none of those things help your quarterback in a year where he has to lock it down nail in the coffin type play so um you know the odds are stacked against daniel but um but there's a chance but it's just you know it's uh the path to victory is very narrow (laughs) yeah yes Uh, Yes, all right so uh let's talk about the head coach because i thought that you know with brian dable coming from buffalo you know one of the real appeals that when he got the job was well here's the here's the play caller for that worked with josh allen and and, uh, you know, he, he's now going to come and, and, and work with Daniel Jones. And then we find out now for sure he's not going to be the guy calling the plays. How much of a big deal do you think that is, that it's not going to be Brian Dable calling the plays? 
Um, that'll be an interesting thing to wait and see. And the reason I say that is because it's all, I'm almost more, more interested in how he is as a game manager because with him not calling plays, his primary role is the same thing Joe Judge was doing last year, which is CEO, timeout management, clock management, situational football, you know, all the things that Bill Belichick, his mentor, is so good at, you know. that. So it's you're evaluating the offense and Dable for the offense, but you're also evaluating, well, did they have 12 men on the field there? Because now we know Dable's not distracted calling plays. That's his deal. He's the head coach. And so I think it's more coming into focus that he is the head guy. This isn't just Brian Dable and his offense. This is Brian Dable's New York Giants. Um, you know, I think it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see as the season goes along and depending on how the offense performs, how patient he is with not being a part of that play calling process on a game day. Uh, though I do think he has a lot of faith in Mike Kafka. Uh, but Gordon, to me, the most meaningful thing about him not calling plays is that the GM said, Joe Shane said, what, after the hiring, that his preference was that the head coach didn't call plays. And even though Kafka went through a full summer of essentially auditioning for it, and they collaborated, and they certainly made it a conversation before ultimately deciding. I just find it very interesting that the dynamic of these new Giants is now that the general manager has a say and an opinion that matters when it comes to how the coaching staff dictates who's doing what on a game day. We're talking with Pat Leonard here about the New York Giants as they get set to uh, take on the Titans tomorrow in the season opener. All right, uh, Saquon Barkley obviously has, has said a lot here uh, in this offseason training camp, you know, talking about uh, how, uh, you know, he's, a, he's approaching his haters. Has he looked as, as, as explosive as he did in his rookie season? Um, yes, I'd say he looks – he looks like he's in great shape, and what I mean by that is, now listen, Saquon's always been a physical specimen, yeah. but I remember talking to people around the time when he was going into his second year, and he was almost looking like he was getting bigger muscular, but he's already so strong and muscular. He doesn't need to do that. What he needs to do is just be fast and fleet on his feet because he already has the quads for the drive. He has the upper body strength, and I see – what I see from him, you know, on the field, um, in the locker room, like walking around, in the gym, like he just looks like he is sprite. He looks like he is closer to being a rookie physically than he is to being in year four um, or year five. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, if there's one thing and positive as a Giants fan that you have to be excited about right now, it is that Barkley has that extra kind of pop in his step, you know, in practices, running routes, and they're going to use him, give him the ball a lot, and use him in a lot of different creative ways. Yeah, no, no reason not to, right, with his contract uh, situation for next year. And, and with him, it, it, you know, it's one thing to, you know, about his health, right, getting healthy, staying healthy, but he has to also show that he has that explosiveness again because last year – you know, when he got in the game, he just did not look – he looked like a shell of his former self, and you're hoping that that's the case of, of him coming off the injury and that this year, with everything that he has to prove, that he gets back to how he was that rookie year. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, that, you know, we're going to see two running backs on the field a lot, or, you know, or a fair amount, you know, like Matt Breda, mm -hmm. maybe in the backfield a running back and Saquon lined up in the slot. 
you know, Wandale Robinson can take handoffs. Kadarius Stoney can take handoffs. Sterling Shepard can run jet sweeps. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, efforts on the coaching staff's part to not only use Saquon Barkley, but to use him in creative ways and creating mismatches that he can use and demonstrate that explosiveness. Do you think it'll look, you know, regardless of the results, do you think that it will look different? from last year, not even just at the end of the year when, they, when, when Jones was out, but do you think that like when Sunday comes along, you'll be able to immediately recognize that it's a different coaching staff and a different philosophy on offense? Uh, yes, because, well, primarily Jason Garrett, you know, did not have guys in motion often pre-snap, and you're going to see a ton of pre-snap motion from the Giants. And, you know, they've added speed. So it's a faster offense. They're going to make themselves look faster to make the defense's eyes move. And so you're going to notice that difference right off the bat. Uh, there's no question about it. Though I do think, Gordon, that there might be more, like, just standard, you know, more running plays than people are expecting. Because obviously Dable, especially mm-hmm. with, uh, sure. you know, Josh Allen and everything, like, like to throw it around the yard. And, you know, the quarterback with a lot of runs and, I think that the Giants know who they are and they're going to play to their personnel. So I still think there's going to be, you know, a fair amount of running the ball. But, yes, certainly on offense, pre-snap motion, and on defense, the heavy amount of blitzing that's going to occur, you're going to see those those differences both stand out immediately, I think. Uh, you were talking about the explosiveness of, of Saquon. Is there any reason for optimism at all in terms of uh, Kenny Galladay? Uh, you know, in the red zone, um, as a guy who can win contested catches, yes, I think not the same way to Tony because Kenny was on the field much more than Tony was this year, this summer, but in a similar sense, this idea that he has talent and he's done it in this league, he just needs to prove that he can stay on the field enough to be available you know, like I think if Kenny Galladay plays 14, 15 games, he will exceed the expe- the low expectations that now exist for him coming off a bad training camp. But it's about managing his body and staying on the field. And frankly, Gordon, the Giants have been very light on players' bodies this offseason and training camp. And I'm not quite sure it was the best thing for their bodies, especially – you know, in, in camp, we saw a lot of guys go down. Yeah. So one of the things I'm watching in week one right away is simply how ready are these guys for four quarters of real football? And Galladay is one of the guys that I'm going to watch closely to see if that's the case. Uh, we're talking with Pat Leonard here about the Giants. One last one, Pat. The, the Blake Martinez move, um, what was the reason for the timing of that? Because it, it did seem very strange, the timing of it. Not necessarily maybe the move, but certainly when it came along. can gather to this point, Gordon, um, they valued him much less as a player than even they were showing on the field. And, um, you know, he's a better player than a lot of guys, at, than all the other guys at the position that are still on the roster. Um, but Martindale and this defensive staff clearly felt um, like they were not going to utilize him regularly, even though they were kind of showing that he was a starter in training camp anyway. And I think 
I don't know exactly what happened on that day where Blake Martinez was absent from practice the day before he ultimately got right. cut. But from what I can gather, there was some disagreement in those 48 hours and kind of a realization of this isn't looking the way that I was promised it was looking when I took a pay cut to return. And then the Giants being, uh, being uh, I guess, harsh about here's how we see it and take it or leave it. So that's my best, that's my best look. And frankly, Gordon, when you're trying to win games, you don't cut players that like, like that. That's all I'll say. Well, Pat, thanks for giving us a, a few minutes today. Enjoy the game, and I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Yes, a pleasure. Thank you, Gordon. That is Pat Leonard, covers the Giants for the Daily News. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.